Saint Paul Parisich, we are honored that you are giving us your time. You don't necessarily have to sit here and watch the whole service, but if you're doing something and you're busy, leave the sound on and listen to the teachings that you get. This is a great way to learn, is to be able to go to YouTube or these other, all these avenues of getting the Word of God into your life. And I've noticed I'm not a DVD person, I'm a hearing person, so I listen a lot and don't even pay attention to who, what they look like or where they are when they're saying it. So learn today from the Word of God, and thank you for giving us your time. We are in South Mississippi. I know you could be all over the world. I ask you to be praying for us. And if you pray for us, pray the prayers in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3 and stick our names in it, and we'd be very grateful for you. So we're thankful for you. Today I am teaching on how you can be God's representative. I taught about two or three weeks ago on, I call it evangelizing the church. So I am evangelizing you. Okay, I gave you the first part of this message. We should be soul winners. We should be people who lead people to salvation. We should not be scared. We should not back down from it. We should learn where our pet pee is, where our focus is, where our, what you would call, our niche is on how to lead people to salvation. If your niche runs people's antenna up and you notice it runs their antenna up and they're wanting to get away from you, ditch the niche, amen, and find one that attracts them to you and to what you're saying, all right? I gave you several examples a couple weeks ago when I spoke, and I'll give you another example or two today of it that I, I, I'm looking, I'm not always constantly 100% I'm looking for someone to witness to I'm looking for someone it happens naturally when you're ready okay if you stay in a mode of realizing who you are then the Lord naturally steers things to you because you're his representative amen he needs you he's not going to come down even though there's times where he does it there's I've been in prayer meetings I've been in big missionary things with all these missionaries from all over the world and they've got to share their testimonies. And some of the most unique ones that I heard was <clears throat> there was a, some cities, villages, I guess we would call them, that were Muslim. And you know there's no salvation in Islam. You, there's no salvation in any religion, actually. There's only salvation in being a Christian and through the blood of Jesus. All the rest are working to a place where they hope or understand that because they've done all these things, God, the God of heaven and earth, will allow them into heaven with him, okay? We don't have to do that as Christians. We receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and Jesus did all the, I am the door, I'm the way, I'm the truth, okay? So Jesus did everything for us. So there was this Muslim cities that these missionaries had gone into and were witnessing and were being rejected, I think is what it was correct, and so they were praying for these people in these villages, and God gave the same dream to the whole village, 100 people, 10,000 people, whatever it was, the same dream, and the next morning people were talking at work, and they were sharing, I had a dream last night, and Messiah came to me, and his name is Jesus, and he told me that he is the only way, and that I must receive him as my Savior, and that what I've been doing is not the way to heaven, that he's the way to heaven. And they said, I had the same dream also. And when they started talking, 
everybody in the whole village had had the same dream and the whole village got born again and the missionaries were already there who were missionaries or who were God's representatives who were well able and ready to lead people to salvation. So they led the whole bunch to salvation because Jesus gave a dream, which, you know what I mean? So that started affecting that whole region. So he does things like that. But that is not the general rule of thumb. Amen? I'll, get, I'll read a scripture to you. This is 2 Thessalonians. I'm going to give, give a little bit of review. 2 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is, uh, I'll start at verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, or have re has received Jesus as a Savior, you have been baptized into the body of Christ. That's one baptism, okay? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature or a new creation. You are changed from spiritual death to spiritual life. You were a creature who was spiritually dead. Now you are a new creation. You are a creature who is spiritually alive. That is the original sin. Through one man's offense, death reigned by one. Much more they would receive abundance of grace and gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So you were changed, okay, from spiritual death. You're a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. That old carnal, 100% carnal, live like the way the world lives, talk like the world talks, act like the world talks, okay? All that is passed away. You now have the ability to be and act and live in a manner that is called righteous, okay? Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. We were completely separated by God through spiritual death. Isaiah says, your iniquities have separated you and me, okay? And uh, so we were completely separated from God by spiritual death, but God has reconciled us to himself. We're separated. God has brought us back together by Jesus Christ, by him being the sacrifice, the offering for man's sin, for spiritual death, actually what it is, okay? and hath given to us the ministry. So you're in the ministry. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And then he goes on to tell us exactly what it is. It's not the guy standing up here who has the ministry of reconciliation. It's every new creature, every member of the body of Christ, every person who has said, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior, immediately you are put to work. Doesn't matter maturity. I've heard people say, well, you can't be prophetic or whatever it is till you're more mature or more seasoned. Or more. God don't do that. If you're going to be in the fivefold ministry like what I'm doing right now, yeah, you have to have some development, some time before he's going to set you up before people because, see, your gifting will put you in places that your character can't sustain you. So it's dangerous. Amen? But your calling, which is the ministry of reconciliation, it don't matter whether you're a brand new baby or whether you're 40 years, 50 years old in Christ. You're still called to do this, okay? And has given to us a ministry of reconciliation to wit or for the purpose that God was in Christ. So the same reason God was in Jesus, he was reconciling the world unto himself, He's in us, reconciling the world unto himself. Through who? No. Who's he reconciling the world unto himself through now? Yeah, say God. God. Is reconciling the world. Reconciling 
to himself, to himself through, me. through me. That's right. You cannot get out of this. I think this is why the world is in the shape it's in. We've let this guy who stands behind the pulpit carry all the weight of winning a loss. And if you think you're going to win a loss inside church, you're in the wrong place. This is not the harvest place. This is the harvested place. Amen. <laughs> okay. We've been picked. All right. That is where the harvest is. So no choice out of it. Okay. Remember I said I am evangelizing you. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. To wit, that God was in Christ recon reconciling the world unto himself and not imputing their trespasses unto them. You don't have to point out that they need to do this, need to do that. When I was born again, young Christian, people would come to where I worked. I was thoroughly saved, thoroughly loved Jesus, and people would tell me, if you'd quit smoking them nasty cigarettes, God might do something with you. I thought, he already did something with me. He's doing the best he can with what he got to work with. He's got a lot to work, to work with with me, you know what I mean? I had long hair, and some people would say, if you cut that hair, Mr. Hippie, with that vulgar mouth, God might really use you. You ain't no Christian with them vulgar words coming out your mouth and that long hair. And I'd think, man, I wish I didn't cuss like this. I'd actually think, man, blank, 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 blank. I wish I didn't blank, blank, blank cuss like this, you know what I mean? That's what it really was, you know what I mean? So it takes a while I was thoroughly saved. I'm headed in a direction, and the Lord is pulling me as fast as he can pull me. You know, I really have watched over the years I've been saved that people who, poof, they're instantly changed, no longer a drug addict, no longer whatever they were, all these things, and most of them fall back into sin. But the people like me who God took so long to get cleaned up, that every step we took getting cleaned up, we never turned back to that. I can look at a thousand little steps of the guy who I was when I got saved, and I look back and think, I don't even know that guy anymore. Yeah, right, that was me. It was me. But every step was solid. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Did you get that? That's leading them to salvation. The word of reconciliation is whatever you know to say how to get them to receive Jesus as their Lord. That is the word of reconciliation. That's your job. Okay. Now then, we are... Why is he put these things in here? Now then, we are ambassadors for God. It didn't say, now then, the guy behind the podium is the ambassador for God. It says, we are the ambassadors for God. Shame on all the preachers who stood up here and acted like it's me. I'm the big poopaw. You can't do what I'm doing. God is, you say it in the jail a lot. God has finally turned the nuts loose, and I'm one of the nuts in front of y'all. Amen. And I'm going to get you to be just as serious as I am. Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, where were we? Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. So Paul's saying, everything I've preached to you is really God speaking through me and God reaching out to you and God pulling you into himself through me. So you are God's voice. You are God's representative. You are, you are the one who is to reach out and is God actually doing it. Amen? Isn't that the hardest thing to fathom in your mind that God is really using you and he uses you just like you are with words that you, all, you, all you can do is the, know what your character is you, your personality is you. And he loves using you because you're the best he's got to work with. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. 
We pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God, for or because he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So there's no way out of this being God's representative. There's no way out of this being God's voice. And I'll give you a little bit of review. Uh, uh, there's no way out of being the answer of someone's prayer to someone else. Amen? There's no way out of that. Someone is praying. My personal salvation, my sister and brother-in-law were praying for me in Texas, and God sent right down the road. A pastor at a gas station would be there, and when I'd pull up, he'd say Christianese things to me, and I didn't understand it, but I would... It registered, and so I started asking Jesus to send me someone to teach me, and all because they're in Texas praying, God save Paul. God, I'm believing for my brother. And so there's this guy at the gas station, and then there's other people, so I asked Jesus, send me someone, and three weeks later, at my door, hundreds of pounds of weed, who knows what else is in the house, all kinds of dope and stuff, and someone comes to my house and leads me to salvation. So you've got to realize you probably 99.999% are the answer of someone's prayer to someone else. Okay? You've got to realize that. This keeps bubbling up, so I'm going to say it now. I was on a fishing trip a week ago, and I was with a friend who's very fast at witnessing. A dirty dog, man. He's so stinking fast. It's ridiculous. And uh, so we, we, we're there going, getting on the boat, and the captain's sitting at a table and talking to some people, and my friend goes up and sits near him, and I'm thinking, he's already doing it. He's beating me to it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so he sits next to him, and the captain ignores him like as if, man, you are in my way, and you are, uh, you're way below me, and I don't feel like talking to you. And he's talking to someone else, and I'm watching the scene, and I'm thinking, how rude can you be? I mean, this guy should be saying, thank you for coming on my boat. Thank you for paying all this money. Thank you for trusting my, your life with my hands, with my boat. But no, he's act, act, ignoring him. And so my friend finally gets an open door, and we heard God unlocked his heart. And he had a vein break in his leg that he had to have surgery on. He was wearing shorts, and you could see all the destruction on his leg where it happened. And so my friend, he's, he's telling this to someone else, one of his friends who were there. And my friend says, Jesus can help you. Can I pray for you? I thought, ooh, you did that, you did that. <laughs> so I'm saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you that he's so bold. Thank you, Lord, use him. And the guy says, yeah, you can pray for me. So I'm sitting there watching. He says, nah, I don't want you to pray for me. My MRIs show that I'm doing good. See, so you can't let that affect you. So my friend says, in case you change your mind, I won't go far. I'll be around for a while. Because we're going to be on the guy's boat, you know what I mean? Lightning fast thinking, amen? <laughs> I thought, I couldn't have said it better myself. Glory to God. So see what I'm saying? He was being God's ambassador. He was being God's representative. He was giving Jesus a shot at the guy, but he needed the guy's permission for Jesus to touch him and help him. Amen. We can't force it. And we can't act like we're hurt when he says that. And he didn't act hurt one bit, one easy. He just smiled and said, hey, I'm not going far. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, so thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God has jobs for us to do, and the thing that we have to learn to do very fast is change our way of thinking about who we are and what we are. I mean, we've been carnally minded. We were raised to be carnally minded. We, it's hard for us to fathom that God will use us like that, but we have to train ourselves, prepare ourselves, be ready to be used of God, and we don't have to be religious doing it. We have to be very common-sensed about it. Amen? The world's not waiting for the manifestation of the church. The world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, and the sons of God will minister, talk, act, love, live like Jesus. Amen? And the world loved Jesus. The religious people couldn't stand him because he acted just like he was a regular person. Common sense, okay? So we must have common sense. And through spiritual death, we were trained, all of the human race was trained and born spiritually dead, so all we knew how to do was live out of our soul, our carnal lifestyle, our emotions. When we got saved, when we received Jesus as our Lord, we became spiritually alive. Now we have to train our spirit, develop our spirit, allow our spirit to grow stronger than our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions, and allow our spirit to be stronger than our flesh, which has its own thoughts and desires. Both of those two do. Your mind, will, and emotions, and your, your soul and your body has its own thoughts, its own desires, its own cravings. So we have to become spiritually strong enough to where we spiritually override those things. Amen? I talk about jail a lot. When I'd preach in a jail, I would tell guys if alcohol was their problem, say, when you go in stinking Walmart, cuz, you know where the stupid beer aisle is, and if the beer is your magnet, and you go home and drink beer, you can't go down the beer aisle anymore. Amen? If you're strong enough to go in there and go shopping, but the beer is your downfall, you cannot see that thing that pulls you away till you're strong enough and have overcome it enough. And I heard one guy say, God put marijuana on the earth for man to overcome. Not to get stoned by. Amen? That's a good saying right there, ain't it? Glory to God. Okay. So we have to train our, our spirit, develop our spirit to be strong enough to override our carnal thinking. We must learn to be God's representatives everywhere we go. That doesn't mean everybody you run into, you are a walking, talking, witnessing machine. You just have to be aware when he's wanting to be let up, let loose, okay? You just have to be his voice, and what you, we generally do is we give hope, we give encouragement, we give love, okay? We give these things out. We don't fight against the Holy Spirit, and we don't override him by doing what we think ought to be said or done. In the prophetic realm, it's hard to train ourselves to not explain our prophecies, you know, edification, exhortation, and comfort, and diminish what the Lord may want to do in them by our thinking of this is probably what the Lord's saying to them. We just give the word and let it be. That's hard to learn to do, all right? Uh, in evangelizing, so to speak, or in leading people to Jesus, it hasn't been an easy thing for the church to do. If it was, it would be, have been being done, okay? 
I've been in meetings where there's a lot of people who are called apostles, and there's a lot of people called prophets, and there's a lot of people who their label is evangelist, and they ask me, what are you? I'm Paul. Amen? If you catch me being pastoral, then you can think of me as a pastor. But till then, I'm Paul, who's a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if you catch me being prophetic or whatever, then you can say, that guy's prophetic. But till then, I don't need a name tag that says what I am. I know that's hard and goes against the grain of church culture. But I've been in meetings with a lot of these people, and I've noticed, and I was in one recently, where we were taken out in public, and the purpose we were taken out in public is you're going to go minister to at least two people, and then you're going to come back and give a report on how it went. And it was really lead people to salvation, but they lightened it up and watered it down to at least just encourage someone. And when, that, when you're in that position, it really can cause a, the emotion of, I can't do this. I'm too scared. Okay? I don't know how. So we need to be placed in positions where we're made to do that. And what amazed me was how many of these people who stand behind places like this and they're great men, great women of God, but when you get them one-on-one, -on -one, they become very timid, very unable to lead someone personally to, can I pray for you? Would you let Jesus to help you? Would you like Jesus to get involved in your life? It seems very hard for most people to do. And I was amazed that these big-name ministers have such a hard time at that. And it all comes by we're not practicing what we hear and hear out there. We've got to get to where the world needs us. With this thing going, you know Netanyahu declared war? You know what war is for? He said, we're going to go kill people and we're going to go destroy things. When he said, we declare war, that's what war is for. We are living in some prophetic times. Because what if this is the war that they start coming together and start coming against Israel and we better be ready for that. <laughs> Jesus, call your names. Man. Hallelujah. I personally don't think most of the church is going to get raptured. Ain't that mean. I think only the part of the church that's going to get raptured is the part that's at work. <clears throat> doing the work of reconciliation. Doing the work of evangelists. Doing the work, because remember Jesus gave, what do you call them? When he gave examples? What are they? Parables. parables. Thank you very much. Okay, Jesus gave many parables about you better be busy doing the Father's business because if the king comes back and you're not doing the Father's business, you are in trouble. How would you like to wake up the next morning and a lot of your friends are gone and you were in church every week with them, really just a few of your friends are gone and you realize, jeez. Okay, hallelujah. So, this is not just for pastors. This is not just for big wheels. This is for all of us. You can pass everybody up. You start leading people to salvation. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. This is the easy thing for us to do. If you can find your niche in this, 
it's so easy and it's so nice to see people change from death to life. This keeps bubbling up, so I'm going to say it, okay? I was on that boat, and there's this little girl. She's a, shouldn't say little girl, but she's 44 years old. How old are you? 44, I thought. I got kids as old as you, you know what I mean? I could be your daddy. And uh, so she, I thought, okay, Lord, I want an open door for her. And the Lord really was probably saying to me, knucklehead, I want an open door for her. You know what I mean? And so I hear this, Lord, I want an open door for her. <clears throat> so she comes near me, and I asked her, have you ever received Jesus as your Savior? And uh, she, no offense at all, she said, I think I'm really atheist. I said, why are you atheist? She said, I was raised Catholic. I said, I was raised Catholic. I was raised Catholic. She said, well, my mama used to tell me that these problems that are in my life when I was a little child and coming up and teenager and all this is because I don't pray hard enough. And she said, I thought if I, how do you even pray hard and then pray hard enough? So I just said, there isn't no God. There mustn't be if I got to pray so hard for this God to hear me. I said, you ain't no atheist. Then I'll, I'll, I'll prove it to you right now. Lightning fast man. I said, you ever lie? She said, yeah, I lie once in a while. I said, well, when you lie, do you feel something? She said, yeah, I do. I said, knucklehead, God wrote his laws in your heart, and one of his laws is thou shalt not lie. If there was no God, lying would not affect you, so you just proved to yourself that she said, I never thought of that. <laughs> So we had discussions. The next day we had more discussions, and I led her all the way up to the point of salvation, but I didn't pray the salvation prayer with her. I didn't send to my heart, lead her to pray. But I did say, can I pray for you? And she let me pray for her. And I prayed that Jesus would give her personal times of his personal ministry to reveal himself to her personally so when she does make her decision to say, Jesus, you are my Lord, it is so strong that her whole life changes from that day on. I just prayed that prayer with her and said, now nah, you got responsibility, girl. You got to go talk to Jesus because <laughs> he's going to show you. So hallelujah. So amen. I'm giving you examples. Okay? We don't have to be silly with this stuff, but we have to be sincere. Amen? Could you imagine this? You're standing before Jesus, the king, and he says, tell me, my friend, what have you brought your king? There's only really one thing that Jesus cares about. Souls. So we better get at least one or two souls under our belt so when we appear before Jesus we can say, Lord, I didn't do really too good of a job. Really a rotten job. But I've got two people to you. I've got one person here. And Jesus will then say, well done. Telling you, we have to. It's harvest time. It's not God's about to harvest. God is in harvest mode. Period. Amen. This stuff. What if it don't wrap up for another hundred and something, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred years? We're going to be gone. We're going to be forgot of. But there's one person that's not going to forget us, and that's the King. Amen. And it's what have you done for your King while you were able to? That was a doozy, wasn't it? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So. I'm going to give you a few things of to be a successful representative of Jesus. Amen. You must make yourself operate in the attributes of love. 
and the attributes of love are in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read it to you, okay? If I speak with tongues of men and angels, so in other words, if you just talk, our speech must have love in it. Even though right now I'm being pretty hard on all of us, I'm speaking out of love. So you can sit there and really receive it. You know what I mean? I'm not beating you to a place where rah, 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 rah. I'm talking to you out of love. This is not easy to do. I told you, this isn't easy to do because you have to override your mind, will, and emotions and your flesh. You have to be willing to let your reputation go to lead people to salvation. And if you learn your niche, then you don't even really lose your reputation. Okay, so here, though you, I speak with tongues of men and angels, though I just talk, and I don't talk out of love, I call it high-level love because it's the love that God operates in. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, I'm just a bunch of worthless talk, no action, a cloud without rain. I'm just, uh, when you, when, I tell you how you can know if your words are worthless to people. They start wandering their eyes, they start looking at something else, and they really want you to, come on, man, don't hold me hostage, let me go. That's worthless talk, okay? If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, I like that. And if I have faith that can move mountains, I like that. Did you catch this? This person can do these things. They can say, you get out of my life, or you get out of their life. You drive addictions out. You drive things out that aren't of God. Okay, they have this. They can prophesy. They understand spiritual things. But if they have, do not have love, I am nothing. A zero. Worthless. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship that I may boast. Look at what I did. Look, look what I did in this building. Look what I did here. Look what I did. Okay, if that's me and I'm not saying it out of love, then I gain nothing. If you can't give to the poor and just do it innocently, if you can't work for the Lord doing things helping other people and you can't do it without telling other people what you did for someone else, you're not doing it out of innocence, and you're not doing it out of love, and, G and Jesus said, or Paul said here, the Holy Ghost said here, you gain nothing. God is not going to bring, you're not giving so he can give back to you, okay? And here's love, and the King James calls it suffers long, okay? Suffering long is suffering long. You put up with a lot of stuff, and you go through it, okay? Love is patient. That's what patience actually is, is suffering long, or long suffering, or, or putting up with something it's like a military person being set at a post and they're told, you guard that gate, do not let anyone through that gate, and 10,000 people start attacking you with all their guns, all their bullets and everything, and you're the only one there, but you're posted at that gate. You shoot every single one of them and you stay there even if your life depends upon it. That's what this is talking about here. Love is kind. We are kind. Love is, it does not envy. Doesn't matter what anybody else has, what position everybody else has. It does not boast. Keep your big mouth. The Bible says, let another man's tongue praise you. Amen? It's not proud. Boy, that's a hard one. It does not dishonor others. That means she got what's coming to her. <laughs> okay, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of a suffered wrong. Wipe it out. It is not, uh, love does not delight itself in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. But the opposite of these are someone who does not represent the Lord. 
So if we're going to represent the Lord, you have to know 1 Corinthians 13 very well and be doing your best to live it out. We're not perfect. We're going to miss it. But when you miss it, you say, Lord, forgive me. Thank you, Lord. Okay? Uh, we, we, we realize that this is the way we represent God or represent Jesus or represent the Lord by doing these things because talk is cheap but your way of life is very expensive, all right? We rejoice when others succeed. We prefer and let other people have their way, be the one who looks the best, amen? We pray for others. We risk our reputation. And even though we may never see the results of our kindness or our walking in love, you've got to realize just your little tiny, 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 tiny bit of walking in love affects other people's lives and it affects them in a way that it, the heart of God is touching them, whether you ever see it or not. It's touching them because of your lifestyle. Amen? Amen. It might be little by little. So, you're the one who plants. Some plant, some water, and God gives the increase. Okay, so you're the one who plants. Big deal. You're the one who waters. Big deal. It's not your seed you're planting. It's not your water that you're pouring on somebody. Amen? It's not their, they're not yours. Your, their salvation doesn't come because of you've got the salvation to give them. It's his salvation. So whatever your job is, planting, watering, or doing, just do it. It isn't your increase. It's his harvest. Let him have it all. It's a lot easier to do that than I don't have to act like I'm big somebody or do anything. I can just act, act like silly old me and, and watch God get results and think, I'm amazed that you actually do this stuff through someone like me. Amen? But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. <laughs> and that is exactly what that scripture is talking about. Exactly what it's talking about. Thank you, Jesus. Okay? So... Even though we may be the one who plants, we may be the one who waters, we may be the one who we get to harvest the salvation, whichever one you do, to, you, to God, to the Lord, you are so valuable. I mean, you cannot neglect your value in the Lord's sight. Nobody in this earth might think of you of any value, but there's one who's watching everything. You might get around people who never anyone else will say anything to. We had a guy who started coming to church here. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Stephanie. His name was Vince. I love that guy. He died. And when he started coming, smelled like a cigarette. If you squeezed him too hard, vulgar words would come out of him and an attitude would come out of him. And I went to him and said, Vince, I see that you love people. He said, I am amazed. When you get near people, man, you just love on them. I said, would you become a greeter at the door? He said, man, I'd love to. I said, I think you'd be the best greeter ever. And he would stay at his post at the door and love people. He was the best at it. And he kicked the bucket. Man, when he died, I thought, man, we needed him, Lord. Send him back. <laughs> Amen? Okay, so... You just don't know who's before you. He had been hurt in churches before because of his looks, because of his mouth, because of his smell. And I, you can't pay attention to that. 
the value of people is just immense in God's sight. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. So now is the time for us to move forward with all that we've been taught. Listen to this scripture. This is Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 and through 6.1. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled. And milk's good, just don't make a lifestyle of it. And if you're a preacher of milk, don't just make a lifestyle of just preaching milk. Because you will build a maybe a big congregation of milk drinkers, but they'll be very weak. They really won't even be Christians. I know that's hard for you to hear. They'll be believers. Christians act like Jesus, minister like Jesus, love like Jesus, give like Jesus, heal like Jesus, at least try. Believers go to church, and that's all they do. Christians are a different kind. So milk only makes babies. The Word of God makes sons. Sons don't get their own clothes on. Sons get a job. Sons do things. Babies need someone to do everything for them. Okay. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, which would be the words of the Bible, okay? Since he's a child, but solid food belongs for the mature, or I say it like this for those who have been through a lot. Because once you start walking on the word, you're going through a lot. The devil's going to do his best to get that word out of your heart, okay? For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. So if you're going to learn to lead people to salvation, you're going to have to practice and practice and look for the, where you're messing up. What you're saying that is wrong. What you're saying that offends people. What you're saying that shuts the conversation down or puts the wall up. Okay? You got to look for these things. You, I, I, common sense. I would get around a certain denomination and I'd say something and a world would go up. And it took me years to figure out, if I say that, they're going to immediately shut me off. So I learned when I get around this denomination of people, all that I talk about is how much Jesus loves us, how nice it is to pray, how much the Lord wants to fellowship with us, and the wall never comes up. And I'm able to talk to them right into what the Lord wants them to hear. So you've got to look for these things, okay? Uh, everyone who is on milk is unskillful. But solid food is for those who are mature, who've gone through a lot, and by constant, they're trained through constant practice to distinguish good and evil. And then he says this, Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine or the milk of Christ and go on to maturity or go on to going through a lot and don't lay again the foundation of repentance. And he says the six doctrines of the church. Don't lay them again. Lay them and keep going. Amen? Okay, so we're called to be light and we're called to be salt. Light is the need, light reveals and exposes. Like I said, people pointed out my flaws and my sin as if my flaws and sin was keeping Jesus from accessing me to change me. There's sometimes, Proverbs says it, that you confront sin, period, but you don't beat people up with their sin because that hurts and that will push them away. But there are times I've been around someone recently and they're living with someone again. They've lived with many girls and they confess Jesus as their Lord. And so I went to them and said, let me tell you something. Fornication's fornication because I don't care how much you say you love Jesus. 
if Jesus comes back or you get run over by a train or you starve to death or whatever it is, you die right now, your chances of getting in heaven are slim to none because Jesus said if you practice what you're practicing, you're not getting in. I said, I'm, if I were you, I'd marry the girl or get her out the house till you can't. So that isn't beating him up with his sin. That is, Jesus wants you, brother. He wants to help you, but he can't have access to you while you're practicing this thing that is called shagging up, fornication, living with someone. Amen? I'm just trying to give you examples because you're going to run into these things constantly and you've got to love them through it. Most people who are living together, you know what I say? Not a word. Because I'm trying to lead them to a place with Jesus. And if they get saved, automatically inside their heart is, shoot, I'm wrong. <laughs> He's big enough to handle that, amen? Okay, so that's what light does. Light reveals and exposes. And it exposes the need for Jesus and the need for his love and not the need for them to know where they're in sin because he is big enough to do that. And then salt is a preservative. And both of those, us being that or being God's representative or we being the Lord's representative. And Jesus said this. He said, I am the light of the world. Say this with me. I want to be light. I want to be light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus gave us a... Come on, brain. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus gave us a trail. He blazed a trail and said, if you want to be light, follow the way I'm light. Okay, because he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In other words, your life will be illuminated. You, you'll be able to see the path. Remember what it says in Psalm 119? It says, your uh, word of the Lord is a lamp unto my feet and light unto my path. It says in Psalm 119, where does it say that? It says in, do I have it in here? Oh, the entrance of your word gives light. So if you want light in your life, you've got to have the word. Okay? If you've only got so much exposure of light in your life, you need more word in your life. Amen. The brighter the, the amount of word, the amount of word, the brighter the light of life's in you. So Jesus said, follow him. So how do we follow him? We do what he did. We know the Bible. He knew scriptures. We spend time praying and we forgive. Could you imagine the amount of people Jesus had to forgive? The Chinese have wrote a Bible. They want to dilute the word of God because they realize there's nothing they can do with Christians. So they're rewriting the Bible. And one part of the Bible where they rewrote it says about uh, the woman who was caught in adultery that Jesus said, he that is without sin, let him first cast a stone and stone her, because the, the law says she should be killed. And all of them walked away because they all had sin in their life, and then Jesus stoned her himself. That's what the Chinese Bible, the one that the Chinese government's writing, okay? So there's stuff coming that has to lead people away from, so you better know the word, okay? And then Jesus said this to us. He said, Oh, one other thing Jesus did. He was ready to follow the Holy Spirit at a moment's notice. Amen? And he said, if you follow me, you'll have the light of life. Then Jesus said this, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. In other words, your life can't be hidden if you are lighting up or your area around your life because of his word in your life. And he said, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. So God's not going to illuminate you with salvation and with his word and then hide you from public view. 
He wants you on display. You can hide yourself. You can avoid what he's asking you to do. But he's doing his best to keep you exposed as much as he can. Okay? Uh, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way. I love, Jesus is the best teacher I've ever heard. Amen. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father which is in heaven. So God wants your works to be exposed for the world to see, not for, so you can say, oh, yes, I'm so anointed. Do you have anybody who needs me to prophesy a good word to him? No, it, I like saying, is there any way you would like Jesus to help you? It immediately steers all the attention to him. Amen. Okay, and then I let the light shine as much as I can, all right? So, people know when you're praying, hopefully we're not doing it in a way that they think, I'm praying to myself because I'm so great. I mean, if God needed prayer, he would come ask me to pray for him. <laughs> That's silly. That's silly. Yeah, I'm sorry. All right? And, uh... And then they know you're not praying to yourself, and they know when you're giving to them, when you're blessing someone, whatever you're giving, they know you're not giving out of your excess. You've got so much that you just got to get rid of some. No, most of the time people realize you're giving something that you need yourself, and you're doing it out of love because you're letting your light shine, and you realize that God wants to meet someone's need, and you really need it, but you know the Lord wants them to have it, so you do it out of love for Him, and He, he brings it back to you, okay? And then Jesus said this, you are the salt of the earth, or you and I are the ones that are holding in the earth in a place of storage until the harvest is reaped. Okay? We're holding this place in storage. <laughs> it's waiting for us. Come on, get all you can one now before he wraps it up. We're holding the storage. And he said, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall it be its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So if you want people to see your good works, if you want to have a good taste in people's mouth, if you're going to talk salvation, then make sure you give salvation. Okay? If you're going to talk salvation in scriptures, then make sure you give them an opportunity or lead them in the direction of salvation. So when they taste your salvation speech, it tastes good to them. When they see your salvation light, it illuminates them. Okay? If you're going to talk healing, make sure your healing words taste good to them so they desire healing from Jesus. And if you're going to talk healing, you need to be able to at least try to give healing to them. I have hands, and Jesus said, can I pray? Okay. If you're going to talk deliverance, and you're going to talk, that's a devil about or whatever it is, you've got to be able to communicate getting the devil out of people's lives in a manner that it tastes good to them. You are the salt of the earth. And if you're going to talk it, you need to back it up with some action, because faith without works is dead. And Jesus said it this simply. He said, He that believes on me and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. And he said, They shall cast out devils. He didn't say they'll go through 40,000 sessions of deliverance and they'll spend hours and hours and hours with all kinds of deliverance ministers. No, he said, You'll cast out devils. So really, it must be pretty easy most of the time. He did say, This kind goes out, not out, but by prayer and fasting. So there's some work involved in some. But the bottom line of it, it must be really easy if Jesus said, they shall cast out. The word cast means evict. So just saying to someone, that's a, you know, okay, you think you've got this addiction, whatever it is, that's probably a devil. 
Is it okay if we deal with him, Akethima, or exict him from your life? That's a lot easier to hear. And most people say, really? You think I got one? Yeah. How long is my... Let's get him out of there. And don't worry about it. That thing is so scared you're going to do that. Okay. So if you're going to talk it, then at least, at least be willing to communicate in a way that tastes good to them. That is our responsibility. We have a big responsibility to... to be sons and not children, and be sons of righteousness. Be those who we think in a manner or direction that God wants us to think. We talk in a manner of direction that God wants us to talk, and we act in a manner or direction that God wants us to act. To me, that's my personal interpretation of righteousness, okay? And then in this verse, it says this. Uh, this is somewhere in Proverbs. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. So every one of us has seen the sunrise, and it doesn't come over the horizon like it's 12 o'clock. It slowly gets brighter and brighter and brighter. Our lives should be changing more and more illuminated to leading people to salvation as we learn God's Word, our relationship with Him, our fellowship with Him, and we learn to yield to him and to talk for him and to be his representative, to be his ambassador, our ability to do that should be shining more and more and more till you really become pretty good at it. Okay? That's what this is saying. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. Or in other words, we should be in a constant state of maturing, a constant state of growth, and a constant state of increasing. Okay? God is after us. He wants us to be Christians 24-7. Anybody can be a believer. It's not easy to be a Christian. Anybody can be a believer. Yes, Jesus is my Lord. You leave there and you walk somewhere with someone who's of the world and there's no telling, no difference between either one of you, okay? So the way that we can be God's voice to the world is, number one, by loving Loving the Lord so much, I steer from saying God a lot. Because if you say God to a Muslim, their God is Allah. And that God tells them that it's okay to cut that person's head off because they don't believe like you. It's okay to murder people. It's okay to have a bunch of wives as your sex slaves and stuff like that. I'm not being mean. I'm telling you what, it, what their religion says, okay? If they ever never hear that, Jesus don't tell us to do things like that. He tells us to love, but our number one love, love is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Amen. That's how I got delivered from marijuana. I smoked a joint. Probably sent a million. I made my own little pipe. This stuff tastes so good, Lord. What's wrong with this? And fired in my heart. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, mind, will, emotions, with all your strength. You're loving me with all your heart, but you're not loving me with your mind, your will, your emotions, and with your body. I want all three. You're turning to smoking pot to get comfort with, and you're turning to drinking to get comfort with. I want all three, I said. I see it. I'm going to need your help. I've done this a long time. I need your help. Took him two years, but he got me off of it. Never turned back. Sat in many rooms where people are getting stoned. Hey, Brother Paul, you want some? Wasn't even a contest. Amen? Okay. So we have to realize we have responsibility to walk in love. 
Did you hear what I just said? I sat in many rooms with people getting drunk and smoking weed, and I was in there saying, when you receive Jesus as your Lord, he will start working on you to change you. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, all we should, we should do things that are motivated by love, which is be ready when God opens someone's heart that you are the person he's trying to use when they start spilling the beans of their life. That's him saying to us, I want to help that person. I unlock their heart. They're talking their problems. I want you to ask them, can I help them? Say it with me. Can Jesus help you? Let's say it like this. Would you like for Jesus to help you? Or say it like this. Hey, is it okay if we ask Jesus to get involved in your life? Those are some of my little secret little niches that I just, I just use. It. And most people, 99, say, yeah, sure. Okay, we're going to pray. Right now? Yeah, right now. Man, he's listening. We're talking about the God of all the earth, heaven, the King of kings. He's right here with us. The whole kingdom of heaven is right here with us, wanting to do something for you. And a lot of times they start because the reality of Jesus being there with them. He's no longer Santa Claus, Easter Bunny. He's king, and he's here. I'm his, I don't have to say it. I'm his representative. His presence in me is just wreaking havoc on this. You know what I mean? Glory to God. That's you. I'm telling you, we got to learn this. The harvest is white. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so love, 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 love. Then we act in faith. Number two, we act in faith. We believe, we believe, we believe, we believe. We act in faith. If it's sickness, Jesus said this. If it's an addiction, you can be set free of it. If it's a broken heart, Jesus, I said that to this girl this week. Her heart was broken with something, and I said, if Jesus came and applied for a job with you on his job description, you would read his job description, and it would say, I heal broken hearts. You got on your job description, you heal broken hearts? I do. Can Jesus heal your heart? That's, I use it a lot. Can Jesus heal your heart? People have been through hell with their parents molesting them and friends doing things, and they need Jesus to what? Heal their heart. Amen? Okay. Okay, so we do things in faith, and then here's a big one. Okay, here's a big one. I'm almost through. Through willingness and desire, you become a representative of Jesus. I mean, you have to be willing to do this. Remember what Isaiah said? If you obey and serve him... Okay, if you're willing and obedient, okay, so willingness and desire are huge, all right? This is the start of learning, this is the start of doing, and this is the start of going through a lot. I'm telling you, what I'm telling you is going to put you in some big fights with the devil, but the devil ain't big enough. He's a stinking loser, he's lost, and all he can do is act like he's going to beat you and defeat you, and if he could, he already would have. All he can do is make you feel like you can't do it, okay? Des willingness and desire is the start of learning, doing, going through much, uh, being consistent, and getting to victory. And when you get to victory, you know what happens? 
You got to have willingness and desire because you're fixing to go through the whole process again. Remember, your life is like the light dawning, and all of a sudden, okay, I got more understanding, more revelation. Here comes the fight. The devil is going to try and take it out of me. And I've got to be consistent. I've got to be willing. I've got to be obedient. I've got to be desiring. And you, you're, it doesn't end. Don't we wish it would end? It doesn't end, okay? Amen? So you have to be willing to do that. And then when you get victory again, repeat. Willingness and desire, okay? Uh, another way to be the Lord's representative is to have compassion. I've got to admit, Joe's heard me. Other people have heard me. I don't have a lot of compassion on people who are drunks and drug addicts because I've seen it in my own family. My ancestors were all that. I've seen the destruction it causes in people's lives. And the thing that I don't like is they become stinking belligerent and rude. And I don't like belligerent and rude in my face. So when people are dealing with that, I usually get someone else because I'm going to talk smart aleck and rude to them <laughs> straight out. Amen. I mean, I'm sorry. My buttons have been pushed on that stuff, and so when I deal with someone like that, I'm not the nicest person, so I try and get someone who's nice to help love come be compassionate to them. Did you hear what I just said? I have a weak spot or a sore spot or a place where I know don't touch that, Paul, because you're going to be mean to them. And I am mean. Joe saw someone walk in here one night, and Joe was standing next to me, and I started talking to them plain, straight-out rude about their situation. You've been here before. We went through, I was working on the building. They came in here and were crying that they needed deliverance, and so I dealt with the devil. The devil I said, you don't really want me to minister to you because I'm going to deal with that stupid demon that's tormenting your life. That's what it is. Do you want me to deal with him? Because I ain't worried about you. He's the problem. Yeah, I want you to deal with him said, okay, you're asking for trouble if you go back to your stupid vomit and start lapping it up again like a dog does. You in trouble. I mean, that's mean stuff, you know what I mean? And he came here again and Joe with him. Forgive me, Lord. Those of you who have compassion, we need you to be compassionate. That is part of being a representative of God, okay? Know your areas, stay in your lane, and operate proficiently in your lane. And then the fruit of the Spirit is a major thing. A major thing. This is the fruit. I know we all heard it preached that this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He produces it inside your spirit. But this is the fruit of the recreated human spirit. If you go read in Galatians where it talks about this, he's talking about flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit. Not the Holy Spirit's flesh, your flesh, your carnal mind, and your spirit. So when he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is talking about the fruit of the recreated human spirit, which is produced by the help of the Holy Spirit. And here's the fruit of the Spirit, okay? You've got to be able to learn how to develop these and then release them into people's lives. I call it letting people get close enough to you where they pick the fruit off of you and they partake of it, and they don't even know they're doing it. But if you don't have it, they can't get it. If we're so spiritually immature and so spiritually weak that we're not allowing these things to be produced in our lives, then you know what we have in our lives? We've got fruit, but it's bad fruit. Okay, here's the fruit. Love. It's God's love. Amen? Developed in us. 
And you have this high level of love inside you because the Bible plainly says this God's love has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit, which has been given to you. Okay, so it's in there. So you can't say, I don't have much love. I've got love, and I just told you about an event that I don't have much compassion or my compassion can go off in a wrong way. Okay, so love, joy, peace, patience, which is being able to put up a thing or carry a heavy, 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 heavy load. Kindness, goodness. These are things that people should be able to partake of you. If you get around people and you're not kind or they can't partake of your kindness, you've got a problem. Amen? Goodness. You are good. You have to set your mind. You are good. You are a good person. You are called to be good. We've heard so many messages on there's none good, no, not one. Okay? You are, that's the unrighteous. When we got saved, we became good. Okay? Goodness. Faithfulness. Faithfulness to the Lord's desire for you to represent Him, number one. Faithfulness to reach out to people who need His help, number two. Amen? Uh, gentleness. Self-control. If there's things in our lives that make us go tilt and we lose our control, you need to get those things out of your life so they don't govern you and you govern them. I call them idols. Against such there is no law, and those who belong to Christ, I belong to Jesus, have crucified the flesh with this. You didn't kill your flesh. You still have your flesh as long as you're If you crucify this flesh and it's, and it's gone, guess where you are? You're gone. So you have to crucify this flesh by dealing with it. Don't let it have its way. It says, you have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And here's what bad fruit is, and we're, we're done, okay? Bad fruit is being a trash mouth. Bad fruit is no tenderness or kindness. Bad fruit is being greedy or unwilling to share. Bad fruit is your opinion, your thought, or your idea is the best, and it's always the right way. That is your way is what counts. Bad fruit is a little white lie. There's no such thing as a little white lie, Okay? Uh, bad fruit is you defend your time to pay homage to your idol, whatever it is. That just keeps bubbling up in my life constantly. Idol, idol, idol. Make sure there's no idols. Uh, who was it had the song, Better Trash Your Idols? Jason Upton, Jason Upton. Jason Upton, right? Better trash your idols if you want to be in the army of the Lord. Okay? Good song. You need to go here. Jason Upton, okay? And then, when any of the fruit is needed in a situation, ask God to help develop those fruit in your life. I mean, if you don't have them, ask Him. He's in the fruit developing business. Thank you, Lord. So as God's representative, we can impact others in all these ways that I've shared with you. An easy way is intercession. An easy way is praying with people personally. An easy way is using your cell phone to reach out to people. I've had pastors as my best friends, and I've been with them doing things, and they were constantly on the phone <laughs> calling people, loving on people, and they would hang up and say, you know, I don't have time to go see that person, but I just touched their life. And I had all these bad thoughts about that stupid cell phone, and I realized that is very valuable. Amen. Uh, you can re be God's representative and impact others by giving, amen, by being a person who's able to share what you have. And then I've got a couple scriptures for you. A generous person will prosper. 
Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And I like how it says it in Galatians. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So if you sow refreshment, man, you're going to have times of refreshment coming to you. Hallelujah. Uh, practice hospitality. And then this is another scripture. It says, you represent the Lord by, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. Amen. And another scripture is Proverbs 19, 17. It says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. So when you give to someone who has less than you, they may have more than you when you give to them. Realize the Lord wants to give it back to you. Don't shut him down by saying, I'm not giving to receive. You just shut him down from fulfilling his word, and he likes fulfilling his word. Hallelujah. I'll give you a testimony and we'll close. We were on that boat, and uh, my friend leans to me when we first got on it. He said, and I, do you realize we're not on here for fish? I just smiled. <laughs> I said, you may not be on here for fish, cuz, but I'm going to catch some fish. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, I know what you're saying. And uh, he said, there's some people on here that the Lord wants to touch. And we might be the last people to ever reach him. I said, you got it, brother. So there's a guy who comes sits next to him. And he looks like he's, forgive me if you look this up and you see this video. He looks like he's 75, 85 years old. You know, he's older than me, looks older than me. And I asked him, how old are you? 66. I said, we the same age, Pawpaw. So I started calling him Pawpaw the whole time. Well, my friend's sitting next to him. So I said, what'd you do before you, you got, what, what'd you do to retire? You retired? Yeah, I'm retired. I bought and sold businesses. I said, then you stinking rich, cuz. <laughs> and he just smiles. And, uh, and uh, so my friend says, better than that, have you ever received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he smiled and said, he's drinking beer, smoking cigars. He smiles at my friend and says, yes, I have. And I know my friend's next question is, tell me how you know he's your Lord and Savior. And he says, because I received him as my Savior. I called upon him and he saved me. Jesus is my Lord. I thought, very good. Good answer. So we get in private, me and this guy. And I'm talking to him. And I ask him things about boats and stuff. He had this big, to me, it'd be five, six, seven, dollars $800,000 boat and sold it. And went and bought a brand new vet. I said, I knew you were stinking rich, guys. I knew you were young, so I'm picking on him. And uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, I shared with him my friend's testimony who died and went to heaven. And when he got in heaven, he was before Jesus. And Jesus said, you got to go back. And he said, I don't want to go back. And Jesus said, you got to go back. He said, why? He said, because you're not clean enough. Poof. He was instantly in the hospital in his body again and changed his whole life. He now witnesses to everybody. That's the one I say. He's so fast, it's ridiculous. Give me a break. So I shared that with this man and told him, you've got to be clean to get in before Jesus. And I went and told my friend, okay, I shared your testimony with him. I think Jesus is using us like Cornelius. That guy's Cornelius, and we're Peter, and that guy may not make it in because he's filthy. Even though he knows Jesus is his Lord, 
And God's saying, oh, there's no telling how much money he's given to the church. No telling how many people he's blessed and loved. Don't tell him what he's done for Jesus and the church, but he's still living like the world, so he's filthy, dirty, and Jesus would have to say, you ain't getting in. And so my friend sitting next to him a day later or so, and I hear them talking, and other people heard us talking. So we're leading all kinds of people into hearing about Scripture. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. So you got to be willing to talk, okay? And this guy, I heard him say to someone next to him, yeah, but you can't get in unless you're clean. And I thought, <laughs> and when we got off the boat, my friend said, do you realize we weren't here to fish? We were here to get that guy in heaven because that guy told me, he said, I have a disease and I'm with my son and this disease is Parkinson on steroids. I'm supposed to die soon. This thing's taken over my mind and my body and I, I could notice he couldn't really walk and he had to be taken care of and Frank and I were saying, he has no reason being on this boat except for one, one last time with his son. And so I went to him when we got off the boat, and before I got to him, he looked at me and said, Paul, I will see you in heaven. Thank you, Lord. So no telling, wherever you are, the effect the Lord will have on people because of you. Amen? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the job that you've given us to lead people to you. I thank you for the calling you've placed on our life. And I thank you that you trust us to do it. We need your help so much, Lord. We need your help so much, Holy Spirit. Make us harvesters. Whether we ever see it or not, make us seed sowers, make us waterers, and make us harvesters. We promise to not lead men to us but to lead them to you. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So be it in your life. You are God's representative. You have a job to do. Thank y'all. I love y'all and bless y'all. You have a job to do. Do not neglect it. It doesn't matter whether you've been a pastor or whatever your title is for however many years. You must be able to reap the harvest from behind this thing right here. Set the example. When we started this church, I said, every dime that comes in this church, we will tithe off of it because we're not going to ask the people to tithe and us not be the example of tithing. And we've kept it. The same thing with souls. If we're going to ask people to lead people to salvation through Jesus, we must be able to do it ourselves. And I practice and practice and practice doing it. Do this. The Lord needs you. Amen. Lord bless you. Love y'all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You may stand. You're dismissed. <laughs> y'all want a song? Joe, would you play a song for everybody, please? Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, play a dirge like Jesus said. We played something happy and you didn't dance. We played a dirge and you didn't cry. Play a dirge. Jesus. <laughs>